Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. With me this week, Megan Gailey. Hello. And Kieran Deal. Hi. To talk about a few of the women who could help flip the house. Then Alyssa Mastermonico checks in to talk about the latest in the Kavanaugh saga. Later, we discuss Me Too fatigue. And finally, I'll have what she's having and the hills will die on. We've got a really big news week, but, you know, first I want to kind of go through a couple headlines. First, Bill Cosby is currently in jail. He was sentenced to three to ten years in state prison with no bail. Another news item, Weight Watchers is changing its name. It's no longer Weight Watchers. It's just WW. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's worldwide. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> is DJ Khaled still associated? He is He is using the program. He is using the program. I haven't yeah. seen a pound fall off of him. But... <laughs> the last item I wanted to get to is Zendaya is Michi, mm-hmm. um, which has been in my head for three days. It was so cute. I can't get it out of my head. I The song Zendaya is Michi, if you haven't seen it. I'm also happy we learned how to say her name. I was saying Zendaya. So was I. Okay. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, first thing I want to talk about today in this heavy news week is Vote Save America and kind of hysteria and women's voting in American history and some exciting female candidates. So Crooked Media's launched Vote Save America. It's in operation. It's right there on votesaveamerica.com. You can visit the website. You can register to vote. You can view competitive races, and soon you'll be able to see sample ballots. Right now, we're trying to get people who visit votesaveamerica.com to get three friends to register to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having having trouble finding friends who are not registered That's to vote. Good. That's not, good. The sentence could have ended with I'm having trouble Go finding, finding friends. friends. Period. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. And that would be sad. <laughs> I, I also texted someone yesterday, Tuesday was voter registration day. You know how there's like hot chili, chili cheese hot dog day. Yesterday was voter registration day given the same you know, ticker tape parade has um, pizza day. And <laughs> I, a friend posted, they were like, text this. And I've moved twice since. And so I 
texted and the woman who texted back, you know, it was like an automated, but she was like, hi, send me your zip code. And I sent her my zip code. She goes, oh, I love California. And I was like, I want to keep talking to her. <laughs> she's bringing a lot of joy into my life. I wonder if that AI is registered to vote. She seems like I she's know. got some good ideas. Well, and then I was like, I'm registered, but can we keep this going offline, you know? <laughs> We're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which was women's suffrage, gave women the right to vote. The 19th Amendment was ratified on August 18th, 1920, which means that on its 100th anniversary, Donald Trump will be the president, which, well, which sucks. Perhaps. Donald- Mayhaps. I said that like I have information. I know. That was <laughs> great. Just hopeful. Perhaps. <laughs> well, we'll see after I tell you what I know. Um, <laughs> but the push for women's suffrage has... Some problematic elements to it. Black women effectively waited another 45 years for the Voting Rights Act of 1965 to actually have practical access to voting. And there are still state laws and state-sanctioned violence that prevents Native and Asian women from voting in some local elections, which is very unfortunate. I will say this. 1965 is a a blink. It's been a blink of an eye. That's so recent mm-hmm. you know that's so recent like you think your parents were alive in 1965 but we've actually come quite a long way in a relatively short time mm-hmm. right but it's also so uh, there are people alive people making laws who remember what it was like before who right. long for how it was yeah. like before who refer to that as the good old days right they right. want to make america that again yeah and it's not it's something that is within reach for them, and I think it's something that we forget because we're young and carefree. And but it's... Well, I do also think it's interesting as all of this registering to vote push has happened. It's very much from, you know, the left side of like, everybody vote, kids vote, everybody vote. Mm-hmm. And then the right side is like, how can we get them thrown out? Like, mm-hmm. it's just the way, the tactics of like, how can we shut down roads? And we're right. like, let's get out there. Like you should have to do an escape room before <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're allowed to cast a ballot. Yeah. yeah, they're trying to make it more difficult, which is the opposite of, of loving democracy. Um, and speaking of loving democracy, I want to talk about a few female candidates. We've gotten letters from listeners who have been like, what are some women that you're excited about? Well, We've got some. Wow. Some women who are running campaigns that are are really cool, really exciting, running in districts that maybe they're up against a history of it being a red district, but they're actually putting up a fight. It's really great. First one I want to talk about, Lauren Underwood, who is a Democratic challenger in Illinois' 14th district, my home for seven years, Illinois. Underwood is a registered nurse. When she was eight years old, Lauren discovered she had a heart condition, and healthcare providers who treated and helped her manage her condition inspired her to pursue a career in nursing. Uh, President Obama appointed Lauren to serve as senior advisor to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. That was back when we had a science-based Department of Health and Human (laughs) Services, uh, where she helped communities across the country prevent, prepare for, and respond to disasters, bioterror threats, and public health emergencies. She also helped implement the Affordable Care Act. She's a first-time candidate. She's 31 years old. Wow. Mm -hmm. This woman is making me feel bad about myself. No, she's awesome. 31 years old and a woman of color running in a district that is 85.8% white. In her primary election, Underwood went on to defeat six men. That's awesome. If she wins, she'll be the first woman, first woman of color, and fourth Democrat to ever hold the seat. So the district is currently held by Republican incumbent. His name is Randy. (laughs) Randy Hultgren. (laughs) Randy. The race is rated as leans Republican, but Underwood is within the margin of error right now, and Trump only won the district by four points. So nurses would make incredible politicians, I think, too. They're so they've already done more for people than any politician has done. Yeah, 
Nurses are like the glue holding the best. Yeah, they're so great. I'm a daughter and a granddaughter of a nurse, and I have no skills of my own, but <laughs> so grateful Can to you have take my nurses. blood right now. Yeah. Megan, you could probably just feel it out. But they really, I mean, I if they make great moms, I know that they would be great in Congress. Yeah, and they also have to work in situations where they're where they're compromising, where they're working quickly, where they're kind of dealing with people that have different agendas and trying to make them all work together. Just seems like the ideal temperament. Anyway, Lauren Underwood. She sounds great. We also have Lucy McBath, a Democratic challenger in Georgia's 6th District. Lucy's story for running came very much out of tragedy. I remember this news story, as I'm sure a lot of you do. Her son, Jordan Davis, was shot and killed at a gas station by a white man who complained that him and his friends were playing music too loudly in their car. The shooter, Michael Dunn, was in sentence uh, to life without parole for first-degree murder. This was back in 2014. After her son's death, McBath, who was a longtime Delta flight attendant, also someone who has to work under pressure and deal with assholes all the time, Constantly. quit her job to start advocating for gun control. She has been a national spokesperson for Every Town for Gun Safety and Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. She has been a part of the 2016 Democratic National Convention. She took the stage along with eight other mothers whose African-American children had been killed by police or gun violence. She's a 56-year-old woman of color running for Congress in a district that is 60 percent white. The district is currently held by Republican Karen, sorry, Handel. Close uh, enough. But, uh, I'm a Karen. I know. Hey, I, hey, know. Hey, hey, I know. Hey, now. Hey, now. The dis- hey, now. <laughs> the district is rated as leans Republican, and Lucy's candidacy is a long shot, which is very much the reason that we're bringing her up. I mean, her resume and what she's been through is exactly the type of person that we would want leading and listening to constituents. Also, Karen Handel sucks. Karen Handel was somebody who, before she was trying to, she's she's run for office a few times before and just recently won for the first time. She was, if you guys recall, I believe in 2011 when the Susan G. Komen Foundation withdrew its support for Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. That was on the heels of Handel being appointed to the board at the foundation and kind of implementing the shadow pro-life agenda in a breast cancer foundation. Mm-hmm. She's she's this kind of, she's like a, a pro-life zealot who is uh, really, like, sneaky and snaky and, and gross and bad. And she's just an example of exactly the sort of person that Democrats should be excited about defeating. Yeah. The uh, cool thing about when you read about Lucy for me is it's kind of like it's just this reminder that you're like, oh, yeah, you can be a flight attendant and then run for office. Yeah. That's so cool. Like, mm-hmm. we forget because it's like there's such a monolithic look to what politicians look like. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, it's just this, like, really... Oh, yeah, that's a really, really cool thing about democracy is that really, literally anyone is allowed to run. You can also go through a horrible tragedy, as she did, and then rise from it in a way of like, I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen to other families. The resilience of that. Yeah, Yeah, that's incredible. And on my list here is Gina Ortiz-Jones, who is a Democratic challenger in the Texas 23rd. So she's a very cool human being who grew up in San Antonio with her sister, raised by a single mother who came to the United States from the Philippines in pursuit of the American dream, so first-generation immigrant. Her mom had a graduate degree but arrived as a domestic helper and at times had to take on multiple jobs. So she had, you know, reduced school lunch and remembered the value of hard work and humility 
from the example of her mother's sacrifices. So she used her own education as a pathway to opportunity, like so many first-generation immigrants do, and earned an Air Force ROTC scholarship to college, completed a BA and an MA in economics, in case you're trying to feel bad, Erin. Wow. Um, And then she entered the Air Force as an intelligence officer where she was deployed to Iraq under the military's Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. Now, following her active duty service, she has served as a leader in economic and national security issues, most recently as the director of investment at the Office of Services and Investment in the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative. Now, that just makes me feel a little bad. It was like, I'm, I'm maybe I'll invest in that online thing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll invest my $7. She's like, I'm running shit, bitch. <laughs> and I think her, in terms of her platform, it, she's very interested in Continuing the fight for Texan working families and people who might not have had uh, a leg up at the top. And if she's elected, she would be the first open LGBTQ person of color in Congress from Texas. Wow. Uh, this race, and this is pretty cool, is re- it's rated as a toss up, but it's one of the Democrats' best chances to flip it a seat in Texas. Clinton won this district by 2.5 points. Oh. And so many times that people want to talk about, like, qualified. or I mean, this is someone who has served and who is a first-generation immigrant. Like, no one is more... And, and uh, yeah, she's just so, so, so impressive. I always thought that, you know, in order to be born here, it takes no effort. But in order to be an immigrant, it takes a ton of effort and a ton of sacrifice. And so I, I find it so impressive when people are able to come here and work and earn a living and make lives easier for their children because it's like they had to really be intentional. Yeah, it's intentional. I always think it's like my dad, I remember when we got American passports, he would keep them in the safety deposit box. So it wasn't until like I went to, I I thought every family did that, like that the American passport's like the most valuable thing you have. So you keep it at the bank in a safety deposit box. And so like when I went to college, it was the first time I saw like somebody had their passport in their underwear drawer. And I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you, it's with the socks? What are you, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, crazy. I think I keep mine like in a bedside table or something like that. Okay. So we it's ca- like more d- more <laughs> Aaron, where do you keep your passport? It was like it wasn't supposed to be an interrogation as to where. <laughs> we kept ours in a Megan. safe. We yeah. did keep yeah. ours in a safe, my white Indiana family, but I think it was cuz my mom was very afraid of the house burning down. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. She kept a lot of things in the safe that were not of value in addition to the I love the real like also co- her tiny figurines. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's definitely like costume jewelry that I'm like I think that can burn. You know? <laughs> it's definitely flammable. <laughs> Another candidate we're excited about Abby Finkenauer who is a Democratic challenger in Iowa's first district. She is a lifelong Iowan and dedicated public servant. So, if you guys want to feel bad about yourself, Abby's parents, a union pipe fitter welder and a longtime Dubuque Community Schools employee. She is the youngest of four siblings who are all first-generation college grads. She began her career as a legislative aide, but she ran for an empty seat in the Iowa House when she was just 24. Wow. (laughs) She was the third youngest woman serving in a state legislature in the country when she won her seat. So she is 29 now. She's 29 years old. Yeah, and running in a district currently held by Republican Rod Bloom. This race is rated as toss-up or lean Democratic, and Abby is expected to win. It's close. I will say also that I have met Abby once, and she is 
so impressive. Mm. Like she is so impressive. I left the interaction being like, oh, she's just wonderful. Yeah. Oh, she's just great. We are so excited about all four of these women. If you want to hear more from them, a few of them have submitted videos with Vote Save America, and you can check it out at votesaveamerica.com. And we're back with a segment called Uterus Weekly, where my pal Alyssa Mastromonaco joins me to discuss what's going on with reproductive rights. Hello, Alyssa. Good morning, Aaron. Oh, man, what a morning. So as we were coming into the studio this morning, Michael Avenatti, who I have decided is Chaos Ronan Farrow, has <laughs> so re- true. released the name and identity of his client, which he was promising to release over the last couple of days, a woman named Julie Swetnick. Avenatti also released, along with her identity and a photo of her, a detailed and vivid account of Swetnick's allegations against Brett Kavanaugh and his friend Mark Judge. Swetnick alleges that in the early 80s, she witnessed Kavanaugh behaving sexually inappropriately at house parties all over D.C. And she also alleges that at one of those parties, she was drugged and gang raped by two or by boys who included Brett Kavanaugh and Mark Judge. Now, I want to add a caveat that, you know, this isn't this isn't a Ronan Farrow story. This is a lawyer releasing a statement from one of his clients and it hasn't been subjected to journalistic rigor. But at the same time, the allegations are pretty serious, serious, vivid, detailed, like to me, Aaron, the only way that any of this is going to be resolved and what feels like a civil war brewing in this country is going to be quelled is if they just do the FBI investigation. I mean, the drip, drip, drip that the Republicans don't want to hear is only happening. They only have themselves to blame. This is happening because there was no investigation. When you think about it, this prosecutor that the Republicans have appointed from Arizona, I would love if the if Dr. Ford or the Democrats asked her if she's ever tried a case where there wasn't an investigation followed by sworn statements. I also want to talk a little bit about what we have coming up this week because it's a pretty stacked week. Alyssa, I understand you were texting me stress text this morning about the fact that you are going to be on a flight tomorrow during the confirmation hearings. I am very stressed. I even thought about trying to switch my flight, but I'm hoping that JetBlue comes through with proper Wi-Fi so that I can watch on my flight cross country. It's happening at 10 in the morning tomorrow, correct? Yep. And it will be Brett Kavanaugh, and Christine Blasey Ford and a prosecutor from Arizona and no other witnesses. During the Anita Hill hearings, I believe there were 22 or 23 22. witnesses. 22, 22 witnesses. 22 witnesses. So that, that's kind of some backsliding. Uh, interestingly, a lot of people will be watching. This morning I was reading something from NPR that showed that 6 in 10 Americans say they plan on paying attention to the hearing. And it's hard to get 6 in 10 Americans to pay attention to anything. So that's pretty big. Here's some more numbers from the NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll. About a third of Americans believe Ford, about a quarter believe Kavanaugh, and 42% are unsure of who to believe, which, again, an investigation would probably help with that. Here's some good news, though. From 1991, an NBC Wall Street Journal poll found that far more people believe Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas, 40%, than Anita Hill, 24%. So that's some progress, right? It's progress. Of course, back then, Anita Hill did get the FBI investigation. So at least, though, the American people 
are, it gives me faith in them, right? That that despite all of the slander from the Republicans, you know, 42% of people, it appears, are keeping an open mind. And what matters to them is what happens in the hearing tomorrow. So I think that's positive. Yeah, I think that's definitely positive. But what's also interesting is that Republicans are really, you know, pulling out all the stops for this guy Kavanaugh when he's like the least popular Supreme Court nominee in modern history. 43% of people oppose his appointment to the court and 38% of people support it. And 59% of people think that if Ford's allegation is true, that he shouldn't be confirmed. So why are they why are they doing this for this guy? Well, and the funny thing is that we keep reminding people of this. This isn't his right. It's a privilege. It's a job interview. It's not a, a, a jury trial. And so he doesn't have any right to this job. And why the Republicans won't just move on to someone else who has less baggage. You know, it's it's getting worse for them day by day. And, you know, a couple days ago, I mean, and Aaron, they've said some of the craziest shit I think we've ever heard out of old white men, right? <laughs> like, what did what did Lindsey Graham say? He's like, and, and it's not even what they say, it's how they say it. He's like, well, yeah, I'll listen to the I'll listen to the lady. I'll but, to the you know, lady. Talk, <laughs> I mean, if that man, you know, August 25th, when John McCain left this world, so did Lindsey Graham's conscience. Yeah. I mean, listen to the lady really sounds like something that's almost like a nevertheless she persisted sort of thing. It's like, yeah, or, do or, listen to the lady or Mitch McConnell, who who, God help us, would ever stand in front of television cameras and say they're going to plow through a sexual harassment investigation. I mean, just the words plow through. It's like, did he mean that or are they that mm -hmm. stupid? Yeah, we're going to really uh, just grope and demean these yeah, accusations exactly. until they're too ashamed to show up anymore. And then and apologize at the end. Right, right. And also, uh, here's another one. Dean Heller called the accusation a hiccup. And uh, Rep. Ralph Norman, who's Republican from South Carolina, made the following joke. Did you hear about this? <laughs> oh, God, that's how you know a joke's going to be good when it starts with, did you hear about this? Ruth, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg came out saying she was groped by Abraham Lincoln. I guess that means, I guess the joke there is that the accusations are old, uh, I think. Yes, and go back very far in history. I don't know, but even the people he was talking to at the Kiwanis Club, which is where I think he was, were like, it took them a beat. And then they were like, oh, that was a joke. And they like <laughs> laughed. But Donald Trump got more laughter yesterday at the U.N. than that joke did. <laughs> I mean, it's from the Mike Huckabee school of, of joke making where it's like not a not a joke. It's just a statement that you say and then pause until somebody laughs with discomfort. <laughs> exactly. Donald Trump hasn't been helping. On Tuesday, he called the second accuser, Deborah Ramirez, quote, totally inebriated and all messed up. And he accused Democrats of playing a con game. And it's like he cannot repeat the word con game enough. He is in front of the world's leaders. And instead of talking about issues of global import, he is making these poor leaders uncomfortable by shouting the word con game every time a camera passes him. Yeah, it's it's strange. So one of the things that Republicans are a little bit concerned about, possibly too late, we'll see, the fact that these optics for tomorrow are bad. Even Lindsey Graham, even Mitch McConnell, even the people who are in charge of the Republican Party know that it would look pretty bad to have a group of white men, white Republican men, grilling a woman who says that she was sexually assaulted as a teenager. So they've hired, in Mitch McConnell's words, 
a female assistant, uh, a woman named Rachel Mitchell, a sex crimes prosecutor from Maricopa County, Arizona. She was somebody who was a prosecutor who's worked with sex crimes. What else do you know? About, we, what else do we know about Rachel Mitchell? What we know is that she has worked side by side with Sheriff Joe Arpaio of Pardon Fame um, in a county that has a notorious backlog of sex crimes. Yeah, she's also a registered Republican. Not that it being Republican doesn't mean that you're incapable of being fair, but being a Republican handpicked by this group of Republicans, I think you can probably conclude that they're trying to rig the game in their favor. I think they think that if a woman is yelling at a woman, that it's somehow less bad than if a man is doing it. And one thing I was thinking is, once again, Brett Kavanaugh is using women as accessories to try to excuse his uh, his bad history. Um, you know, between his his girls' basketball team, his daughters, and now Rachel Mitchell, uh, there seems to be no shortage of women that Brett Kavanaugh is willing to throw under the bus for him. No, it's his, uh, well, you know, he's a very fine, he's actually, this, this is my favorite Donald Trump so far, he's a gem. He called Brett Kavanaugh a gem three times this morning. But no, he is using them as the shield, right? And to me, these women are no better than Ivanka. Well, I mean, not the children, of course, but, you know, Rachel Mitchell, she's complicit now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, his wife sitting next to him in that very uncomfortable interview with Fox News, also complicit, which sucks. Also complicit. And, you know, you have to wonder, is each one of these, um, I I guess I'm wondering what the straw that breaks the camel's back is going to be, because so far there are two very detailed accounts one slightly less detailed account of three adult women who have absolutely nothing to gain by coming forward and telling their stories. And you have to wonder at what point the Republicans are like, okay, this is a bridge too far. Like, we've got to go back. But they seem pretty dug in on principle. Yeah. And here's another thing that I thought thought was really interesting from that NPR poll I was mentioning earlier. Republican men believe Kavanaugh 61 percent to 5 percent. Wow. Yeah. And just for some contrast, Democratic men believe Ford by a 54 to 16 percent margin. So Republican men are not only just kind of doing they're, they're like on another planet. Do you think that these uh, Republican men who are leading Kavanaugh are really just hearkening back to the 1980s when they were in prep school and in college and maybe mm-hmm. being like, What do you mean? That was normal. He didn't do anything we didn't do. Yeah, there was a really good article by Prachi Gupta on Jezebel the other day about how men were confessing by trying to forgive this behavior. And I think that's a really interesting stance. I'm kind of like horrified anew every day, which is crazy because I always think that I've reached my like apex of horror, but it keeps increasing. I'm I'm horrified by how many men think that this was normal because it it indicates to me that these men must have done things like this. And it's like, oh, my God. What is wrong with you? Because here's the thing. You can understand how if there was a guy back in the 80s and he had too much to drink and maybe he tried to make out with a woman and she didn't like it. Like you can see that happening and whatever. These guys weren't doing that. They were drugging women. They were gang raping women. Like this is not sort of, you know, if you want to call it boys will be boys behavior, which is ridiculous. But but this is not that. Right. The allegation. I mean, that's. That's what's described in the allegations. Like, we don't know for sure what was happening because, you know, Republicans don't want an investigation to happen. But those allegations are the things that men are trying to dismiss as something that just happens. And it's like, oh, God. And here's another thing I'm thinking a lot about lately. 
is that there's there's another kind of school of excuse thought for Kavanaugh that's like, this happened when he was a teenager. It happened so long ago. He was young. Mistakes you make when you're a teenager shouldn't follow you for your whole life. And I think it's pretty rich uh, coming from a party that doesn't really extend that courtesy to everyone. I would say that Republicans are pretty insistent on having teenage mistakes follow people for the rest of their lives when those people are not white or not men. I mean, have you noticed that as well, Alyssa? Correct. I mean, you know, first of all, Brett Kavanaugh was the one who wanted to deny the 17-year-old an abortion that she wanted and needed. And because he believes that this is something that should follow her for the rest of her life. And this was just about her and only her. What we're talking about with him are things that were perpetrated, allegedly, against another person. And so the other issue to me is if he had come forward when the allegations came forward, and I'm not excusing him, nobody hate tweet me, but if he had said, you know what, I was an asshole in high school, I did things I regret, I apologized to Dr. Ford, it wasn't right, that would give the rest of the world a little bit of running room. But he has categorically denied, he has talked about his sex life on TV, that he was a virgin, as if virgins can't rape people. And or attempt to rape people. It's not even exactly, like the accusation exactly. from Dr. Blasey Ford is like attempted rape. But he is remaining so puritanical about this that it's just making – I think that if if he has hurt people in his past, the more he digs in and says that he is an angel who has never done anything, the more people are going to come out, which is why they should have done mm-hmm. an investigation. Yeah, and – he just is a liar. I think that that's, a, that's an important point here. Brett Kavanaugh lies, and he's been a professional liar for most of his uh, professional life. This has, this has been a really exhausting forever, it seems. Like, it seems like there's you know, always a news story that is just awful. And I just wanted to see, Alyssa, how are you handling stress? How do you take a break? Well, I take a break with some television. Well, actually, that's a lie, because if the TV is on, I'm watching the news. So I have to turn the television off, and then I really default to anything sort of Sharon Horgan has done. And I am rewatching Catastrophe right now from the beginning. And, uh, you know, and edibles help, too. (laughs) That's great. That's great. I've been watching The Good Place, which I would highly recommend. Everyone should check it out. Yes, for sure. Okay, Alyssa. I look forward to talking to you next week, and I pray for the future of our country. I hope that we don't need an emergency uterus weekly to discuss what happened tomorrow. Oh, my God. Uh, Tomorrow. Thoughts and prayers. Talk to you soon, Alyssa. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. 
I, mean, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like parched? I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you... Stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on, oh. a, on it's like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put a a blazer and like... Denim shirt. Denim Denim shirt, blazer, leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit falling just above the knee while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is, like, I think... My my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're they look like a security blanket that a thirty year old yep. still has, where it's just like a ball of string, and you're like, Ugh. Um, our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now, and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a on a short weekend trip, and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, 
Your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. And we're back with a segment called Personal Political. This week, Megan and Kieran and I are going to talk about, boy, is talking about sexual assault every week getting exhausting. <laughs> it's really tiring. In 2006, Tarana Burke coined the phrase Me Too to give women who have experienced sexual violence a voice. More than a decade later, the phrase spurred a movement that has fundamentally changed our national conversation, understanding of sex, power, identity, violence, and consent. But, you know, along with the Me Too hashtag and the prevalence of Me Too stories and its its presence in the zeitgeist comes a sort of avalanche of, of stories that if you're a woman thinking about it can get kind of mm-hmm. exhausting. And I'm just going to go through a list of headlines that over the last couple of years have kind of dominated the news cycle. So Harvey Weinstein, uh, the story of, of Kevin Spacey, who was victimizing men and boys. Uh, Mario Batali, Tom Brokaw and Matt Lauer, Russell Simmons... Uh, R. Kelly, who still really hasn't suffered very many consequences, probably because the women he's victimizing are people who are uh, traditionally pushed to the margins of society. This month alone, we've had the ousting of Les Moonves. We've had the Kavanaugh thing. Bill Cosby was sentenced. And it just seems like it's constantly happening. So women, this is my question for you guys, and I don't know the answer, but women are spending a lot of time thinking about this and we're being expected to sort of talk about this. Like part of me too is to be like, and this happened to me and I did this. And I just, I don't, do do you think this helps? Do you think this changes anybody's mind? I remember when, when the current me too, like when people were posting on Facebook and I remember like critics of it sort of being like, well, this will be done though. You know, let's let them have their peace, say like scream it from the mountaintops and then we'll be done with it. And so I think in a lot of ways it's very, um, positive that it isn't just been done, you know, like it's it's kept going. And we sort of I heard about Les Moonves last year and it was a matter of like time and people coming forward. And so I think everyone's becoming a little bit more savvy, but it is very exhausting to I ate my breakfast yesterday to the Cosby sentencing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, I, w- I want to watch Real Housewives of OC, you know, like I do when those women are terrible, too. But I want an es- I do want very much an escape from this, especially in my own personal life, but then also in a sense of trying to be a creative during this time, too. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like I feel myself 
sad and sort of dredged down and like, I don't know how I'm going to talk about XYZ on stage when most of my brain is consumed with a lot of horrible, sad, frightening things that are happening. And and I do think in some ways it's probably made me, you know, more vigilant, which is good, um, but then also more afraid at the same time. Right. I mean, Kieran, you know, Megan talked about being somebody who is a creator. Have you found that me, the Me Too movement has kind of seeped into you and the work that you're doing as a creator. Two things. The first thing I wanted to say, just tagging off of what you're saying, Megan, is like when I was in Nepal, like they had just gotten the free press, like not that long, but they got democracy and then they got the free press. And I remember people saying, oh, my God, it feels like such an inundation of corruption and all this bullshit and all this bullshit in government. But it's it's actually just that you're getting the news. Like, mm-hmm. the truth of it is, like, all this shit has been going on, and we're just, it's just not in the news. Do you know what I mean? People have been dealing with less moon vez or whatever it is, but it's just not a part of our news cycle. So the behavior hasn't changed. It's like the reporting on the behavior has changed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to remember because that, that really is, like, kind of the first step to change. But, of course, we can all feel like that inundation. And, I, I mean, I guess on a creative and on a personal front, it's like, like I have some stuff that's like on topics that are in this arena. And and one thing that really strikes me is even just the challenge in funding. You need money to make things, it, just in general, in, in entertainment. And so it's like, but who, like, who is supporting this cause? Do you know what I mean? Like, and who is interested in seeing this kind of content get out? Who is interested in seeing, you know, personal stories that come out in a way that are available and kind of prescient, mm-hmm. you know? So there, so you're saying that people are, like, in theory interested in supporting women, but then when it actually comes to, to actually supporting women? Yeah, I think that there's a massive disconnect. A, if there isn't a precedent for, you know, kind of a, a, a kind of topic or, like, one thing maybe it's been done before you know oh i've i've seen i i saw that rape movie i've saw i saw the jodie foster thing and it's like how how many how many times have we seen the same version of a story and do do you get to like add some sort of subjective narrative perspective and experience to the way you tell a story and let it unfold the way that an interesting piece of content like moonlight does can you do that for a woman can you do that for you know, a, a narrative that deals with consent. Can you, you know, and, but you need, you need money to be able to do those things. There's a shift and, and there are a few places where like that's starting to change, but I think that power and money are pretty correlated and they're pretty connected. And one thing that's, you know, you, I, I, I think infrastructurally, like I find myself getting frustrated with like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just be rich. Like yeah. you gotta be rich if you want to, you know, yeah, we're totally interested in Me Too, but, like, we're not going to give you any money to tell a story about it. Yeah, yeah. Or this doesn't need to be out right now. Like, I think that you, somebody very prominent in Hollywood had said that about a film that I'm working on currently. It was just like, I just don't think this story needs to be told right now. And I'm like, you can suck all the dicks, sir. <laughs> you can suck all the fucking dicks. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's interesting because the story is such a, a thing that's that's prevalent in women's lives. Like, everybody has some story that happened that they haven't really shared. And I think that like one thing I've noticed is that the language around Me Too right now seems to still view like the man is the victim of it. Like mm-hmm. a man got Me Too'd um, even in his self-defense. I guess Brett Kavanaugh has positioned himself 
as like a victim of something. He he's uh, described the allegations against him as quote a coordinated effort to destroy my good name. McConnell said the stories were part of a quote shameful smear campaign. So. Megan, what do you make of men like Kavanaugh and John Gomeshi and John Hockenberry and a whole 99 bottles of beer on the wall worth of bad dudes complaining about things happening to them? I was reading something interesting yesterday, and I obviously can't remember what it was, but it was talking about this idea that women are truly asking, and this is also what people of color and and everyone is who is in sort of those marginalized, we just want equality. We are not asking to, like, kill all men. Some of them, I'm sure we could do without. But it's like, we just really... <laughs> the look on your face then was just like, it's like you stopped yourself with a good idea. That's just what you That's just what you did in your... Well, like, you're like, you know what? Maybe not... I'm against this article. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, we, we just want you to have to face consequences for your actions. As we have had to face consequences far worse than any of our actions have ever been. Mm-hmm. They see losing... The privilege. privilege as them being on this witch hunt. And, and mm-hmm. it's like, no, we're just asking for 50-50. That's, that's it. But they 50-50 is such a loss for them that it turns into, you've done this to us. And it's like, yeah, but you've done this to every to our moms, to our grandmothers, to our ancestors, to everyone for hundreds of thousands of years. And all we're saying now is, yeah, you're not going to get away with pulling your dick out. Yeah. I mean, that's you've had thing. a good run. Yeah, you've had yeah. a good you've run. You've had a good run. You've so many years. Run. So For, many years of pulling your dick honestly, out. Honestly, hey, hey, like, let's give each other a pat on the back and just be like, you had a good run. Good dick pulling run. Yeah, good Sports dick pulling run. Like Why not? dynasties handle it better than the patriarchy. Truly. Like, if you, if the, Patriot, the Patriots lost last year, they handled it pretty well. Honestly, they really did. I was at the game and they were like, yeah, okay, well, we had a good run. And it's like, how are Patriots fans better than Congress yeah. at handling losing? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think because members of Congress were probably nerds when they were kids, and so they've got the nerd chip on their shoulder. When nerds get power, it is just fucking they forget They cannot it. give it up. They cannot give it up. But I was just thinking, like, Kieran, what do you think about the kind of empathy gap between men understanding that being accused of something isn't good for a man's reputation but not understanding that a woman being sexually abused also affects her poorly. Like, why does that happen? I think that's culture. You know, we've just we've heard we've heard the narrative of who a hero is as a certain person for so long. And so we're invested in that narrative. Do you know what I mean? Like we have spent such a long time with like if that person is in your television or in your home for such a long time, it it, it makes you feel like, you know, this person, they feel like a friend or like you said, it's like you watch The Good Place to relax. So it's like people watch stand up to relax. It's like there's there's an intimacy there. So it's like if you feel like you relate to somebody and you have it's it's like a version of it's not a personal relationship, but it's like a relationship. And then somebody comes out of the woodwork that you don't know who is anonymous and is like mm-hmm. shitting on that relationship. It's like, of course, you're going to I can I can understand why people would kind of tend to side with like the person that they already know it's just that so many of the people that we already know in these contexts are men i think you can also visually see what they lose les moonves is gone he lost his job and power harvey weinstein lost his company when you look at a sexual assault survivor you know you don't see this is what happens with you know people that are even suffering from diseases that you can't see it's very hard to 
visualize it. And I think the reason that women have empathy is because we see our own scars on the inside too. So even though you're presenting or or not in some like this perfect front and I'm okay and I'm being strong, you know that there's still things inside of you that are difficult. And that's a lot harder to see than like, oh, he got ousted as CEO. Mm-hmm. And even just like, but like Christine Blasey Ford, do you know what I mean? We don't know. We haven't been in her story. You know what I mean? We haven't been in her narrative of like, of getting through graduate school and then becoming a teacher and like starting a practice and like all of the ups and downs of like what that like we're not in that subjective narrative experience. And so mm-hmm. she's not centered as it's like she comes in like left of field and and you just it's the, the it's got to be like one thing I do think is really fascinating with like in in Hollywood. It's like the reason there's so much power when women celebrities come out I think is because it's like they do have this kind of like legacy of narrative and it's like holy shit you know Mm -hmm. like Alyssa Milano went through that shit you know what I mean it's just like that's a little staggering because you've seen them for a long time and like that yeah and that's not the only thing you know about that's right that's not the only thing you know about them these women have accomplished so much and then it's like but then you get you know if you're related to this like Kavanaugh thing it's like your name is just associated with victim survivor and I was like no, nobody, there's nobody in the world, I think, who wants to see themselves as a victim or, a, you know, and nobody wants to see themselves as a victim and nobody wants to see themselves as, as a as a perpetrator or as a as a predator. It's like everyone is the hero of their own narrative. So so how do you like I, I'm particularly interested in like how do you craft narratives that that show that? Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? In a way that's like interesting yeah i guess everybody's just got to have a real detailed blog mm-hmm. 100%. we all need to get on that medium. was what the pitch was you heard me i feel very heard erin <laughs> or a vlog very very heard no i think that it's just looking for the humanity and people that suddenly become entities in the news cycle apart from their place as people who are survivors you know like so professor ford i was thinking about her talking about what happened to her in marriage counseling, you know, in 2012. And, oh, she was in marriage counseling. She was somebody who was married and was Mm -hmm. having problems like a normal human being. And this was a problem that was enough on her mind enough that it came up during marriage counseling. Like she's a, oh, she was a person in 2012. Like, right. you, You have to be intentional in the way that you think about people who come into the national narrative as survivors everyone sort of deserves like a behind the music me too like what (laughs) how about we get to know you outside of this situation like i love to golf okay wow we didn't you know like i feel like we i was in jv volleyball yeah and some of i'm gratefully so they're like we just want to go away but i feel like if there were women that are like you know what i'd like to give you a peek inside of my closet like they (laughs) should be allowed that of like Right. Yeah, no, I agree. Behind the music of Me Too, I think that sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Up next, I'll have what she's having. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. All 
right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. And we're back with a segment called I'll Have What She's Having. This is, uh, I wanted to include it this week because the news has been super heavy and it's been so heavy that it's kind of spilled into all the fun parts of hysteria. And I wanted to talk a little bit about ways that we are relaxing. Having fun. Having fun. I'm going to start by recommending something um, by a person you might know (laughs) named (laughs) Megan Gailey. What? Megan Gailey, who's sitting right here with me. Uh, Your Comedy Central half hour is coming out. On Friday. 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 Yay. I know. Just a half an hour of Megan talking. Wow. More like 21 minutes, oh. but with some ads. You know, <laughs> they do some ads. I can't vouch for the ads. Your, they've heard some of your ad work on here. Yeah, well, I don't get to do the ads. That would be incredible. That would be amazing. Oh, that would be so, I'm going to suggest that to them. Next time. Be like, degree. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it says here I'm supposed to talk about my experience with Clorox. <laughs> I like to use it to clean up my murder scenes. No, I've, Megan. I've never seen South Park, but I heard it's fun. That would be my Comedy Central ad. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really excited to watch, and uh, listeners, if you want to watch too, Megan is really funny. You can find videos of her. Megan is really funny. Megan is <laughs> swear very to God. funny. I swear to God, she's funny. But she's got, like, there's videos of your stand-up on, like, YouTube and stuff. Yeah, and... I've got a Conan set you could check out. That'll be more PG. The um, I've seen a cut of the half hour, a little more R. How many swears? You know what they do? A little more, a few R. more swears, but not not a ton more. They definitely. Oh, I do say pussy. Do I say pussy? I do say pussy. Yeah, I do say pussy. Okay, yeah. Let that be the name of your next album. Is, <laughs> do I say pussy? Do I say pussy? I think I say pussy. I say pussy. Yeah. So <laughs> three pussies. I get them all in. I get all the fun words in, even in the twenty-one minutes. I'm just the first five is just me saying cunt over and over again. <laughs> I'm very, kidding. I'm very, kidding. Yeah, yeah. Oh on cable. On cable. <laughs> on Comedy Central, it's just the first five minutes is cunt, cunt, cunt. Yeah. yeah. Are there enough? Are the words of cunt in Comedy Central? See. No, oh, just no. the letters. You want yeah, the letters? Yeah. I like the letters. There's no cunt. you. No. There's no you. There's no cunt without you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great bumper sticker. You can look for it on... Uh... Hysteria.com. <laughs> Wait, that's not even a website. <laughs> I bet it is. All right, Karen, who are you recommending? I was gonna say, I was gonna say, check out Megan's uh, Conan set <laughs> for a uh, for a little, uh, you know, for a little love, for a little, you know, just for a little primer earlier in the week before her half hour, and then since she kind of plugged her Conan set, I will also say. There's a wonderful artist named Leah Halloran, who is a visual artist. Uh, you can go on her website. Just her work is a really beautiful California-based artist who I just think is just 
kind of these like beautiful, almost like planetary, like kind of painting mixed media visuals that I'm like, I look at them and I feel like I'm staring into a pupil or the ocean and I'm like, I feel so calm, so much blue. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Megan, how about you? So I started going to this fiercely non-competitive dance class two years ago. It is in LA. So I'm not, I'm sorry to the other listeners, but I think you can do what this, what this preaches. It's called Pony Sweat. It has truly become a revolution. Two weeks ago, I was there in the LA Times. We're doing a story about it. It's led, it start, was started by this woman named Amelia. And now she has another uh, teacher named CJ. Such incredible women. It's all body types, whatever you want to do. They screen throughout the class, fuck the moves. So if you live elsewhere outside of Los Angeles, follow Pony Sweat on Instagram. It's like very inspirational and fun and you can get to know like the two ladies that lead it. But then it's also just a lot of 80s music cranked up and dancing around your room. That's like you could do that as well. Are you trying to initiate me into a cult? No, I promise. (laughs) But I have started bringing friends because I got brought in by a friend who got brought in by a friend. And now I've brought in friends. And it sounds like Vote Save America. Oh, or a pyramid scheme. But it's it's so incredible. It's really, really fun. I've cried at it before. I mean, they give really incredible affirmations throughout the class. We do planks at the end. And CJ's like, you can just lay here. Like, you don't have to really do and you do whatever you want to do. And that's why I think it's okay that it's in L.A. Because it really, it's like a broader thing of like, fuck the moves, dance, have fun. It also is a wonderful way to like let off the like toxic energy that is flowing into our brains constantly right now. Well, that's great. That sounds awesome. Let's move on to Hills Will Die On this week. I wanted to start with my hill that I'm going to die on. My hill that I'm going to die on is that the Kavanaugh hearings have taught me that whenever a dude asks you to endorse him for anything, say no. Okay. Mm. Say no. It doesn't matter who it is, how confident you are in them. Just it's safer to just be like, you know what? Mm, <laughs> I'm not going to have your my name attached to whatever it is you did when you were in high school. <laughs> because there are people, you know, in the in the New Yorker article about the second uh, accuser, there were people that had signed on to a letter supporting Kavanaugh that once they heard this story were like, rescinded. Yeah. yeah, I remember so that. Yeah. it would have been easier for them to just not be involved at all. But yeah. now their names are going to be Googled in conjunction with yeah. this. So just be careful, you know? How how would you say no? Is it is it like a mm, or is it like a no, or is it like nah? I don't like, do that. That's okay. what you say. Oh, you just say, I don't, I don't do, do that. that. I don't do that. I don't it's do like that. me and eating pork. I'm just like, I don't do that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway. Okay. Karen. I didn't. I didn't know that pig in high school. So <laughs> I can't. I can't vouch for it. I don't know. Pig in high school. Hill all down. I love bacon. Um, the uh, uh, noodles. There's noodles, and then there's soup, mm-hmm. and then there's noodles in soup. Yeah. I don't like that. Wow. Why? What about like, like the, a ramen? No, I don't like the ramen. <gasps> I don't like the pho. I don't like a whole genre of chicken food. noodle soup. I'm I'm not that big on that either. I'm always like, why so many noodles? Why so much chicken? Why not just the liquid? <laughs> like I just like the the liquid, the the hot liquid is what's exciting to me about a soup. Okay. okay. And then it's like the I'm so this is you want a hill. This This is is a hill, baby. This is your hill. This is our second broth based rant. I know. But it's just I because I thought about it when Michaela was talking that one time when she was like, I like a nice broth. And I was like, yeah. I was like, why are they always full of those 
fucking noodles. And then I always have a friend who'll be like, let's go eat pho. And I'm like, fuck you. Um, <laughs> all right. Anyway, well, maybe I need to go to Pony Sweat. That is <laughs> yeah. a hill. I think you do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my hill. Whew, some people aren't going to like this. Do not trust men who are American and the only sport they like is soccer. <gasps> no. <laughs> I see both of you. No. These men are not to be trusted because here's the thing. You can like no sports or you can like sports, but you can't just have soccer because they're doing it from a place of like, no, but I'm an intellectual. Okay, well, then get into basketball. Basketball is so fun and cool. Get into tennis. Get into hockey. There's a lot of other things. Highlight. You can't just have those fucking scarves and be like, I get up at 6 a.m. to watch soccer. No, you need to pick another sport. You're a creep. Oh, wow. Only if you're American, though. American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Other if you're, countries. No, yeah, yeah. If you're an American man and you only like soccer, you are not to be trusted. Hmm. Football, as they would say. Not hmm. to be trusted. Hmm. Well, those are some hills. And I'm fully dead. <laughs> <laughs> if you like what you heard, please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends. And we'll be back with more Hysteria next week. Get, get me some